My mother often made me learn poems. It wasn't always my favorite thing, but they stuck. And so today I want to start with one that she had me um, to learn over and over again. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, and the road ahead seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile, but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but just don't quit. That's the first stanza of that poem. I'll share more of it later. That's what we are talking about today. We are not going to quit. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 reads, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I'm going to read that again. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I want to tell you the story about a young man in high school, just another kid in the gym. There were 15 spots on the basketball team that could be filled, and about 50 showed up to fill those slots. This young man did not make the team. He went home, locked himself in his room, and started crying. His parents knocked on the door and asked him what it was wrong, and he said through tears, it is so embarrassing not to make the team. This young man did not give up, though. He continued to practice, he continued to play, and many of us wear his shoes now. They're called Air Jordans. Michael Jordan did not give up and did not lose heart. I want to tell you the story of a young woman in her 20s who moved to Portugal to teach English. There she got married and had a daughter, but sadly, a few years later, she found herself separated and divorced from her husband. She moved to England and during that time lived off welfare, living in a small flat. The only way that she could make her daughter go to sleep was by pushing her in the stroller and taking her down to a little cafe where music filled the air. She began to write. She loved writing, always had, had written stories as a child, had entertained herself with stories, and though she presented them to publishers, she was refused until one publisher's eight-year-old granddaughter read the manuscript given to her by her grandfather. This eight-year-old looked at her grandfather and said, where is the next book? Who am I talking about? J.K. Rowling. She didn't quit. She has slid in terms of the world's wealthiest person and dropped down in her wealth because she's giving it away and doing good with it. So she continues to teach us and not quit in the mission she feels called to. 
We live in a digital world where we expect things to happen instantaneously. Want a plane ticket? Here's your phone. Look it up. Buy your ticket. Want to know something? You don't have to go to a library and find a, re a reference librarian and have them look up things for you. It's right here. You can even watch TV on these things. And so we didn't have to, when I was growing up, and I'm going to show my age, but when I was growing up, we had three channels and we had to wait a week for the show to come on because it didn't, you couldn't DVR it or VCR it or TiVo or whatever we're calling it now. We didn't have email. We couldn't send a message that would be there in the blink of an eye. It's easy though with all that technology to let our task list grow. There's a reason that resumes and to-do lists should limit to one page, but we often find ourselves with to-do lists that are much longer than a page because we can do so much so quickly now, why not do more? We find ourselves facing burnout and we lose heart. The first thing I want us to talk about is what it actually means to lose heart. In the ancient world, the phrase that is translated as losing heart actually meant the kind of fear and weariness that a woman experiences during labor before delivery. A time when the work is hard and painful, unfinished, and unrewarded, and it's easy to lose heart when we feel like that, but we can't. Anne Lamott tells the story of a woman who is a business executive, and she always had everything under control until this one season, and nothing was going right, and she got on her train to take a trip, and she plopped down in her seat, and she said, I missed my train, I'm running late, I don't have what I need because the printer wasn't working, and, and the gentleman next to her, she realized, was dressed a little differently, and he says, well... Slow down just a minute and breathe. And he says, um, I work for the Dalai Lama. He says, the Dalai Lama says that when things are like this, these are distractions for something greater being born. Perhaps something greater is being born and you are merely experiencing labor pains. When we are in a position of losing heart, we are often experiencing those labor pains. We all know what it means. This feeling of wanting to do so much, especially as Christians. Paul had exhorted the believers in Galatia and warned them of the things they should avoid in the fifth and sixth chapters of Galatians leading up to this verse. But he encouraged them. Probably better than anyone else, he knew how tiring a spiritual battle can be. He had included warnings about sin, works of the flesh, deceitfulness of the world, 
And yet, in the face of all that, he encouraged the Galatians, us, all believers, to remember the joyful harvest we will reap if we simply persevere in doing good. He follows this verse in Galatians 6.10 saying, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Paul had summarized the work of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit leading up to this. He knew that doing good involves yielding ourselves and our will to the spirit so that we might bear the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Because when those things are at work in our lives, good is inevitable. We need to remember these things. Mark's gospel cautions us. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Often in our human weakness and in our best intentions for doing good, we get derailed. We often feel there's so much work to be done that... There's, we simply can't do it all, so why even start? Why even take it on? Because we can't do that. There are so many needs, so many calls on our time, so much energy it takes to address everything that we need to do that we can become exhausted, disheartened. Doing what's right is not easy in a fallen world. And yet, Paul reminds us that it is well worth the time and the labor and the love that goes into it. John Piper, in one of his blogs, writes, Probably the worst enemy of enthusiasm is time. Human beings have a remarkable and sad capacity for overwhelming themselves and getting tired of wonderful things. Almost every one of you can think of something you were enthusiastic about recently, but now your joy has faded. Your first day of vacation on the coast, the sunset, was so beautiful you broke out in song. But by the end of your week, did you notice it? Vacationers get tired of sunsets, kids get tired of toys, and Christians get tired of doing good. Piper is right to caution us. Growing weary is an ever-present danger in the Christian life, but there are things we can do to minimize that weariness. Paul reminds us in this verse that there is a prize at the end. That if we persevere in what we are doing, we will cross the finish line. We will see the rewards of our labor, or the rewards will come forth as we are sowing seeds that we might not see. Burnout. Burnout is something we all experience. So how do we overcome that? That's the first question we have to look at. Burnout is a physical or mental collapse caused by overwork or stress. Who knows what burnout is? Do any of you? 
I do. Ministry, life, family, work, it can be all-consuming. When we are Christians and we are in pursuit of God's will for us, we have to remember that our purpose and our vision, our steps are guided not for us, but for the glory of God. It's a call of God for us to give of ourselves, to invest time, resources, and energy in kingdom work. So, what do we do about that? Well, let me give you a few things to consider as you look at how you might be facing burnout in your life. When we consider things with the mission committee and the ministries of the church, one of the things we look at is, do I truly feel God has called me to this ministry? Because there's so many things we can learn about. We can Google... um, a request on here for needs in Coweta County. And I'm sure we'd come up with a great list of things that are there that need to be done. Things in the United States, in the world, in our region, beyond, that all call to our attention. But is it what God has called us to? What is the vision God has given you? Perhaps, just perhaps, if we sit and are still and let God be God and let his voice speak to us and we take time away from our gadgets and we take time away from our list and we sit in the word with God, we will hear what we are called to do. In that moment, we also find out where our strength comes from. And that's, that's the second question that we consider. It's where are we getting our strength, our resources to serve in this ministry? When we try to do things on our own and we rush into something because we see potential, believing that we know we have the exact solution to this problem, we often find ourselves going down a road that we can't quite finish the journey on. We forget that God doesn't need our natural skills and abilities. He will gift those that he calls. And he will call those who are gifted and sometimes those who need to be equipped. He taught us a great deal about this through Jesus' life. And Jesus modeled this attitude as we read in John chapter 5, when he says the son can do nothing by himself, he can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus didn't rely on his humanity to get things done, but he relied on God and the spirit in everything he did, just as the apostles did. In the book of Acts, before a mighty act were was performed, we read many times that they were filled by the Holy Spirit. Christianity had spread like wildfire throughout the world. And the same men who in Mark chapter 14, we read of deserting Jesus in fear, 
We're now, as we read in Acts chapter 2, standing in the public square, professing faith, preaching the gospel, traveling extensively, sharing the good news, and by Acts chapter 12, were martyring themselves for the good of the kingdom. While they waited for the Holy Spirit, they accomplished things they never could have on their own. D.L. Moody has said that before we pray that God would fill us, I believe we ought to first pray that he empty us. There's so much that we want to do. I catch myself many times saying, I want. (laughs) I often have to go back and say, God, what do you want The last question that I would ask you to consider is, and this is something that we ask in missions as well, is are we taking time to stay filled and balanced? Pastors call this self-care. Perhaps you do too. Whatever your barometer is, you need a barometer for your self-care and how you are doing When you take a flight, they're serious when they talk to the adult seated by a child and they say, if anything happens, put your oxygen mask on first so you can help this child. If you can't breathe, you can't help anybody. As silly as it may sound, and my girlfriends rib me for this, my fingernails are my barometer of self-care. I know that if my nails look bad, I have not taken time for me to go and just stop and just let myself be taken care of. Yes, I'm spoiling myself. I know that. But it's also a time when I leave having taken care of that with a fresh mindset and a fresh heart, and a fresh perspective, and renewed compassion. I'm grateful for that barometer. God established the idea of Sabbath for our own good. In chapter 2 of Mark's gospel, we are told that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We need a dedicated time to refresh ourselves. A time of separation from our daily work, even ministry, can become an idol. Jesus was the most dedicated servant we know of, and yet he took time to rest. Scripture tells us that he took time with friends, he took time alone. He took time to rest, and he took time to recharge in prayer with the Father. He rose early in the morning to meet with God and went away by himself on a mountain to pray. Ministry can drain us. Life can drain us spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Paul himself points out that he was being poured out as a drink offering, but if we are constantly pouring ourselves out, how can we continue to go on? 
We have to refill the tank. Your car's not going to go anywhere if you don't put gas in it. I was reminded of that the other day when I had 10 miles left to empty on my car and my husband promptly scolded me. It was a good reminder. I was doing too much. Variety is wonderful. Spending time with family is amazing. But let's be our best, not just for them, for us, but for God. The secret of burnout is understanding how to be filled. What do you do? How do you continue to go on when you haven't made the team? When you haven't fulfilled that goal that you believe you are called to fulfill? Well, let's look at some Bible stories. Israel waited 400 years for the Messiah. 400 years. But they stayed in the word and they taught the word to the next generation and they continued to be faithful, filling themselves up with the promises of God. And through that 400 years, they waited and a man named Simeon got to see after years and years of waiting the face of the Messiah. Sarah, Elizabeth, I could name other women in the Bible who waited year after year after year, suffering from infertility, only to receive the promise of a child. Sarah was so discouraged and had lost heart so much, she laughed at God saying, I'm going to give you a child. And then she tried to do it her way. But it was God's way and God's timing in which he filled his promise and he was true to his word. Joseph had sat in prison having been betrayed by his brothers, but he did not lose faith. He trusted God. He was faithful to what God told him to do. And in return, he became a leader. He became part of the saving grace for his family in the face of famine and saw reconciliation. When I was in seventh grade, I learned this verse. It's Isaiah forty thirty one. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I learned that at a youth camp, and we had a song that we sang with it, and the, the tagline on the end was, Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. I didn't know when we sang that I would actually have to wait on God for things to happen in my life, for my purpose to unfold, and I got discouraged. Despite a call to ministry at the age of 12, I was like, this is just not falling into place the way I think it ought to happen. And so I'm going to do my thing. I like speaking. I like journalism. So I'm going to be a radio broadcaster. So I was a radio broadcaster. I was 
I decided I liked legal research and political science and did trial prep for a while. And at the age of 32, God promptly hit me over the head with a two-by-four, not literally, but do you know the spiritual two-by-four? And he, in the middle of a Bible study, said, I didn't call you to this. I called you to minister to my people. And there was a reconciling moment. And he said, now get up and go do it. And I did. And it was a long road to get to where I'm at now. But I did. And that reward has been immense. I'm sure that Many of you can tell stories of how God has worked with you in the waiting as well. How he has come to you perhaps when you've lost heart or perhaps when you're about to lose heart. So here are my words for you today. If you have conflict in your office place, perhaps you've been laid off, do not grow weary. Do not lose heart. If you have a child who has, I have a friend who lives in California. He has a seven-year-old who he says has been obstinate since the day he made his debut. And every day is a parenting challenge. If you know that life, don't lose heart. You have a community who loves you, who is standing with you. Perhaps your family is struggling in some way. Perhaps your marriage is struggling in some way. Do not lose heart. God is good and he is with you. Perhaps you feel a call to a mission or a ministry and it's not getting off the ground. Don't lose heart. Pray. Stay in the word. Perhaps you're part of a denomination that is struggling to find out who they are who has tensions and struggles to find the ways to love one another as God has loved us. Don't lose heart. Paul's words ring true for us. I can tell you this with certainty for because the past 18 months, this church Um, which I've been honored to represent, has worked with the Sustainable Housing Task Force. Coweta County has been the one county in the metropolitan Atlanta area, assuming y'all consider we're in the metropolitan area, but if we're considered in that grouping, we are the one county without a shelter. Last fall, we opened a warming shelter And despite meeting after meeting after meeting in which we went and we sat around the table and we got to know each other, we networked, we found out what the others did. We learned about Action Ministries, who's now on our campus, who has housing programs for persons who've been homeless as little as a day. All these agencies have come together and learned and we're like, this is all great, but when is something going to happen? When are we going to have a shelter? Today. We have a shelter. Today, we open at 3 o'clock the lodge, which is a shelter for men, or I'm sorry, for not for men, for women and children. We're working on the shelter for men, but we have a shelter for women and children 
over on Washington Street. And at 3 o'clock today, we will rejoice and celebrate the work of God because we did not grow weary and lose heart. You are invited to attend. I was most humbled when they asked that our church that I would represent um, would offer the prayer of blessing for each person that would come through its door. If you can't go, pray over this shelter that it will go well. I want to finish that poem my mom taught and leave us with that thought. Life is strange with its twists and turns as every one of us sometimes learns and many a fellow turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow, you may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup and he learned too late when the night came down how close he was to that golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint in the clouds of doubt, and you never can tell how close you are. It might be near when it seems afar, so stick to the fight when your hardest hit, it's when things seem the worst that you must not quit. Amen.